0: Hey hello friends and welcome to this message which is specially hand-picked to minister to you and to bless you. I am Pastor Lincoln Seranga, Senior Pastor here at Liberty Christian Fellowship in London. My passion is the pursuit of 100% answered prayer. If that sounds like a good subject to you, why don't you follow me at LincolnSeranga.com and also find me on Facebook, Twitter. Instagram, and other social media where you will be able to find other messages as well as find access to short courses, coaching opportunities, and more. God bless you as you listen to this message. Isaiah 64. And I'm just going to dive into the reading. It says, Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. Ah. <laughs> I think that preaches for itself. How the mountains would quake in your presence, as the fire causes wood to burn and water to boil. Your coming would make the nations tremble. Then your enemies would learn the reason for your fame. When you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds beyond our expectations. Uh Ah, beyond our highest expectations. And oh, how the mountains quaked. For since the world began, no ear has heard. And no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. No eye has seen, no ear has heard a God like our God who works on behalf of those who wait for him. We are in a season perhaps like never before where we need God to rend the heavens. And we need him to come down and do some awesome stuff amongst us. Beyond our highest expectation. If you're with me, just say amen or do an emoji if you're on there. We need him to come and show off. We need him to show up and show off. To show his power. And the promise of the scripture is that he will do that for those who wait on him. Now I know straight away in our day that the whole idea of waiting on God and inviting him to come and talking about tarrying on him has lost popularity. I know that it is seen as either Old Testament or a lack of understanding of the grace of God or a lack of understanding of of the scriptures but I stand here today to say that we are meant to be a people that invite him and a people that anticipate his coming we are rebuked I remember um some time ago we were singing this very song that we were just singing we wait for you and somebody was was telling telling us off and saying why are you waiting on the one who is already here Why do you wait on somebody who is omnipresent? How can we wait on omnipresent and invite him to be present? Why would we invite him who is already here? Why would we do that? Now, I get the whole concept and the theory and the theology of omnipresence. And I know that when I said the sinner's prayer, Jesus came into my life. But today, I stand here to remind you from the scriptures that we have been commanded to ask for the kingdom to come. That we have been commanded to pray these prayers, which say we are waiting, we are anticipating, and we welcome you. Amen. From the very beginning omnipresence has always waited on an invitation to show up and display omnipotence. I'll say it again. From the very beginning, omnipresence, even though he's everywhere all the time, he has always waited on his people's invitation to display His omnipotent power. He's always done it. From the beginning, at the the beginning of the scriptures, we read in Genesis that omnipresent God who was everywhere and had created all things. But we read that God the omnipresent is recorded as coming down and walking in the garden. The Bible says that after they had fallen away from him, they suddenly heard him walking in the garden. One thing I like about God is he absolutely baffles us. He is present, yet he comes. He is present everywhere, yet he walks in the garden. And they heard him walking in the garden and he came into their situation and they are walking Of him in the garden was not like the God who was everywhere because when they heard him walking in the garden their hearts were struck and they knew that they had done something wrong something woke up their consciousness of sin arose and they hid themselves because they heard him crying out where are you guys Didn't he know where they were? But he cried out, where are you guys? Omnipotence walked in the garden. In Exodus, the Bible records that he came down. Exodus 19. If you wanted to read about the walking in the garden, by the way, it's in Genesis 1, 8 to 9. But in Exodus, next chapter, next book, we read... That he comes down on Mount Sinai in a thick cloud. Actually, that one I would even want us to read. Because he goes ahead and he tells Moses... Tell guys to wash their clothes and get themselves ready and get themselves cleaned. In fact, tell them not to sleep with their wives. Tell them to get ready. What were they getting ready? He said, because I'm coming down. The God of heaven and earth speaks of coming down. And when he came down, he said this. Let's read um, verse 9 19 9 then the lord said to moses i will come to you in a thick cloud moses so the people themselves can hear me when i speak with you then they will always trust you there is another kind of god's descent that goes beyond just the general presence on Mount Sinai. He came with a thick cloud and the people were struck. And he said, I have to do this so that the people will trust you, will hear you. Carrying on, if you go further in the scriptures, in Isaiah chapter six is a very famous portion of scripture. Isaiah who has walked with the Lord he has served God. He has been a minister in the house of God. In fact, he's called a prophet. But the Bible says that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And his glory filled the temple. So even though Isaiah had been walking with God, There is an element of God that he had not experienced. I'm coming to talk about the God who comes down. His glory came down in such a way that Isaiah, who had been serving God, realized that there was something wrong with his mouth. and There was something wrong with his speech. And there was something wrong with... And he cried out, woe unto me. For I am a man of unclean lips. Why? Because he experienced that God who comes down. Today I don't know about you. But I'm here to pray. Lord rend the heavens and come down. Now some of you will be saying to me. "Ah, But all of that is Old Testament. All, All the examples that you have been giving. Are of Old Testament stories. Sure. I accept that. But Jesus himself spoke of omnipresence being hosted and invited many times. Do you want some? John 14, 21. He says, if you guys can throw those up quite quickly, that would be great. He who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him. And I will reveal myself to him, or I will manifest myself to him, or I will come down and show myself to him. If you go back down to verse 23, it says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and he will come to him and make, and we will come to him and we will make our home with him. God is a God who can be present and yet not present. And this is not something which is a concept which is out of the ordinary. A lot of us can be present and not be present, right? Even now when I'm talking to you, some of you are in this room, but you're not present. You haven't arrived yet. You're somewhere in your living room or somewhere off, somewhere. Everybody knows that you can be in a place and not be in a place. And you can come to a place fully, right? Every Many wives know that your husband can be at home and not be at home. Parents. How many of you know that that kid can be in the house and he's not at home? And you're like, hello? Are you here? <laughs> Sometimes I have to chase my husband when I've seen his, the body is there, but the spirit is in aqueous or in a book or somewhere. And I have to knock and say, can we come in? <laughs> And so the God that we serve is a God who waits on us to invite that presence. To invite him to come fully. To invite him to be here. He says himself that where two or more are gathered in Matthew 18, 20, I am there. Meaning that Yeah, I was there before, but because you guys gathered, because you came together, because you took time out to look for me, because you took time out to gather before me, when you do that and you come together in my name, I stop just being on the outside there and I turn my attention towards you and I am there. What he's saying is that when we make it our purpose to gather together, to invite him, he stops being everywhere omnipotent God and he says, "Oh, I'm here. My attention is fully on you. Now the teaching of Jesus is that we are supposed to make it part of our daily prayer experience, our daily prayer life, part of our daily prayer life is meant to include invitations, an invitation for omnipresence, omnipotence to just come and focus here on my space. He asks us to do it. When you say to me, why do you sing, we wait for you, and we call upon you, and we say, come Holy Spirit. I say to you, because he told me that whenever you stand to pray, say, your kingdom come, and let heaven come to earth. Church, we are supposed to be an inviting people. Clearly, throughout the scriptures, this concept of experiencing God in a a way that we can see, touch, and feel is all over the place. Hallelujah. So returning to Isaiah, we need to ask him to rend the heavens and come. And that portion of scripture ends by saying that he comes, if you put it back there, verse 4, I think. He comes for those who are waiting for him. He comes for those who are eagerly anticipating, actively anticipating. You see, the teaching that God has already come, we already have everything, etc., etc., is true. But unless it's balanced by this truth, we, build, we produce a group of people who never wait on God, who never tarry before God, who never exert themselves in the place of prayer, who never seek after the face of God, who are never hungry for more of God, who never look for the God who touched down on Sinai, who never look for the God of Acts chapter 2. We produce a people that have fallen asleep. And today, God just asked me to stir back up your waiting. To stir you back to a place of eager anticipation. You see, if we are to take a position, um, I believe that as the church, you you remember when you used to run, those of you who used to run and you'd be on the blocks and you go down and it's on your marks, and then it's set or get set, however way you say it, and then go. But when you're on the set, you are poised. You are waiting. Your attention is focused because how you will do in this race depends on you being quick off the mark. You need to be ready for the minute that the bang of the gun goes you're ready to go and that is how god wants his people on set waiting anticipating calling inviting him a people waiting for him and the bible says he will do good to those who are set right now Jesus teaches a parable that I want us to turn our hearts to for the next few minutes. And and I do not plan to stay here long. In Matthew chapter 25, it is the story of the, some people call it bridesmaids, some people call it virgins. It depends on which version of the Bible you read. And um, it's a parable about the need for us to keep eagerly, our anticipation to maintain our anticipation now the backdrop to this parable is Matthew chapter 24 take some time in the week and read these things Matthew chapter 24 is all about the second coming of Jesus right and throughout he takes time actually this morning as I was reading Matthew chapter 24 I was, I, was, I was in awe because Jesus goes verse after verse after verse after verse saying the same thing, which is basically that the coming of the Lord will come when we are unexpected. And he goes on and on and on about the coming of the lord now i know that we've come to the age in the church where whether jesus comes or he doesn't come mm -hmm, we're not really bothered about the second coming but i think that if jesus spent so much energy telling us what signs to look for, what things to look out for, then we need to pay attention. And I'm not an eschatologist, but I believe that when the church lives in a in a sense of it is any day now, they live differently. When you know that your days are few, you live differently. When you know that you are on borrowed time or limited time and any minute now the bell is going to ring, you live differently. And may God bring us to this place where as a church we wake up out of our slumber and we realize that the hour is very late. I don't mind whether it is the hour when Jesus touches down on the earth or the hour when my own life comes to an end. Either way, the time is short. And we need to be alert. So Jesus takes some time teaching on the troubles, teaching on the indicators, teaching on the fact that the church needs to be on standby. Then we go into Matthew chapter 25. And I'm just going to take some time to read this story to us. And may God cause us as the church of Christ to arise. And God's people said, amen. The kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil For their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. And when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And at midnight, they were roused by the shout Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. And all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage of feast of, to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. It's a sobering scripture. And it shows the fact to me like this that The church is split 50-50. Always has been, always will be. There are those who go the extra mile, who have extra oil. There are those who, in the language of today, are extra. They are excessive. They don't just have oil for their lamp. They've got some extra. They've gone out of their way. Then there are those who... Everything is okay. Everything's really cool. We can't really be bothered. There's no need to fuss. There's no need to put in all the extra hours. There's no need for all of this excess. The ones with the extra oil are the ones who are in standby mode. They are ready for eventualities. They are ready For Jesus, whenever he comes, they have invested and have more than enough. Our God is a God, you know, more than enough. He likes things which are extra. He likes things which are excessive. He likes things that are more than just sufficient. He actually has an allergy to things which are lukewarm, which are just there, which are neither here nor there. He doesn't like them. He says they give him nausea. He has this passion for people that go the extra mile. You know that Christian, that sister in the Lord, who you look at and you say, that one also is too much. She's extra. She's probably one of the five on the good side. One of the five wise ones. So he says, listen, I expect my people, the the, the theory or the this moral behind this story is that God expects us in this day to be on high alert. Nudge your neighbor and say, we are supposed to be on tier three. <laughs> high alert. Ready. For what God wants to do. Extra precautions. Extra provision. Extra anointing. Lord take us beyond enough. And take us into extra. Take us beyond maintainers. And take us into high alert. I'm calling the church today. To wake up out of our slumber. It is time for us. To go on to high alert. Red. ready for him. And there's half of the church that has slipped into this, laid back, it's all good, can't be bothered, the grace is enough, all of this business. But he ends this parable by saying, so you too, verse 13, must keep watch. But you do not know the day or the hour of my return. I'm saying all of this to say that Jesus is looking for a people that are waiting. Waiting is not a passive thing. Waiting is done with eager anticipation. That is what he's looking for. Let me read a couple of other scriptures. If you can throw them up, guys, thank you. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And verse 8, 2 Timothy chapter 4 is towards the end of Paul's life. And before we get to verse 8, Paul is saying something in him has told him, time's up. I love the way the Holy Spirit walks with us. And I, I truly believe that if you are in the Lord, there is a little warning sign that he gives you that time is up. Something in your spirit. So Paul is saying to them, I have run the race. I have been faithful. And henceforth, um, a prize awaits for me. He says, and now the prize awaits for me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but it is for all who eagerly look forward to his appearance. All who are in high alert mode, not your neighbor if you have one, and ask them, which level are you of alert? Where where are you? Did you fall asleep somewhere in the way? Are you on high alert? The Bible says the prize goes to those who are alert, who are waiting, who are calling, who are inviting. And then the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, 14, what I want, what really is the cry of my heart, awake, sleeper. I believe that we as a church have had so many signs that are crying out to us, awake, awake, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will rise on you. He has called us to wake up. Now, I I believe that one of the reasons why the early church was so effective and so powerful, it was because they were on standby. They spoke, the Bible says they encouraged one another with the words, Jesus is coming soon. This was their language. He had left and they were anticipating, they were anticipating his return in their day. They were not putting it forward to some thousands of years. And because they were in that standby mode, because of that, they were effective. I remember a time in the history of this church when we had um, a, a move of God amongst our young people. And I'm praying for an even more powerful outpouring of the Spirit. But I remember that we had our young people even saying to us, what's the point of doing anything? Jesus is just about to return. I remember trying to persuade one of my sons that perhaps it's a good idea to study. But he was like, what's the point? Jesus is about to return. Now, I know that we can go overboard, but what I'm trying to say today is that Jesus wants a church that is on alert and that is waiting and that is inviting him. We're not only supposed to be alert, we are supposed to be working To make the coming quicker. The return of the Lord, whether it is for him coming as in heaven on earth or us going because the end of the ages has come. Either way, how quickly that works depends on me and you. Let's read because you might be saying, hmm, I don't know about that. Look at 2 Peter chapter 13, 3.13. And I'll begin to wrap, wrap this up because I did want us to spend a minute in prayer. I actually told Pastor Lincoln this morning, I don't think we're going to have a service as such. I think we're just going to pray. <laughs> but let's just read this. I'm going to read from verse 11. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along, hastening it. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. We are meant to be hastening the day of the Lord. Do you know that your prayer, kingdom come, will be done, hastens what God wants to do. Do you know that you have a role in ensuring that whatever we are going through right now is shorter, it is within your power as the believer to make sure that those days are shortened by your intercession. He says, we are supposed to be eagerly waiting And hastening that day, may God give us the grace to arise out of slumber and begin to call on God and hasten the day of his manifestation. Hasten the final day as in Revelation 21, but also hasten the day of heaven on earth. It is within our responsibility. So I want to close up like this by turning to Um, Revelation chapter 22. In Revelation 21, we are told of what earth will look like or what heaven will look like or what it looks like when God has fully come down. Take some time and read. The Bible says that when he has fully come down, there is no tear because he wipes away the tears of his saints. When he comes down, there is no sickness because he is a healer. When he comes down, all those things are spoken of in Revelation 21. And those are the things that Jesus entrusts you and I with the responsibility. Turn to your neighbor. Tell your neighbor you have the responsibility of ensuring heaven comes down quickly. Mm. Okay, go to 22 and verse... Seventeen. This is the end of the story. The Bible says concerning the book of Revelation that those who who read this one and understand are blessed. Okay? So, So we need to grab the message on there. And he's talked about heaven on earth. And then he says these words that I love. He says, the spirit and the bride say come. And let everyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. And then when you come to the end of the verse, it says, come Lord Jesus.